really that first two words of verse 31 is really what I want to focus on tonight, by faith, amen, by faith. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the great fellowship this morning and tonight, uh, the good prayer time with our men tonight, Lord. Uh, thankful that I was able to call on several people to uh, uh, run and pick people up, Lord, with our van being the way that it is. And uh, Father was able to get uh, everyone here that wanted to come. Thankful for that. Uh, thankful for the song service. Thank you for the special. Uh, but, Lord, now it's time for the preaching of the Word of God. And, Father, I hope we can just kind of settle ourselves and uh, that no one will go in or out unless absolutely necessary. And, uh, Father, that we would just pay attention to what you'd have us to hear and to understand. Lord, you've brought us here for a purpose. And, uh, Father, you have something that you want us to hear. Pray, Lord, you'll be with me. Lord, I just uh, want to preach it the way you'd have me to preach it. I need this message as much as anybody in here. And so, Father, we pray that your will be done. When the invitation is given, I hope and pray, God, you'll speak to hearts. And, Father, certainly if there's one here tonight that's not saved, they would see their need, uh, Father, by faith to accept the grace of God. And, Father, we'll rejoice in that and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So we're looking at a Christmas message tonight concerning Rahab the harlot. And as I said a while ago, as I think about the grace of God, I, I just really can't think of a better example. I'm not saying it's the best, but I don't think there's any better example of the grace of God than this. Um, Rahab, most of us know, was a harlot. We understand what that means. Um, most consider that a terrible sin, and certainly it is. Yet she was really, you know, this is where we always need to understand some things. In the eyes of God, she was really no worse than any other sinner who's separated from God. Amen? You know, we have a tendency to say, well, this is badder, and, you know, worse, not badder, but, but worse, or what have you. Uh, but the Bible says we've all come short of the glory of God, right? And we've all uh, responded to that sin nature in different ways. Um, and, but by the grace of God, there go I. Uh, every one of us, now listen to me now, every one of us has that potential to do the very worst thing we could ever think of, if not for the grace of God. And we never need not forget that. And uh, so I want to examine this story, uh, I believe, of a remarkable act of forgiveness and grace from God. Really, the, the greatest gift that man has ever gotten is the grace of God. And uh, so, <clears throat> again, most of us know the story of Rahab, and not going to dwell on that long. But we consider the, the fall of Jericho as well because that you know we understand that Rahab uh, hid the spies and, and uh, her, not only her, but her family, her extended family, which involved a lot of people, uh, were saved from, uh, from uh, being killed when uh, the Israelites uh, uh, came across the river, Jordan River, and, and took Jericho, if you will. And so when we think about that, we also see that in verse 30 as well. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And so after they, that is the Israelites, uh, compassed about, uh, the Bible says, uh, how after a mighty trumpet blast and a shout <clears throat> that they fell down flat. But I want to go back to a time prior to that, uh, just before all that happened. To do that, we're going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 2. So save your place. We may come back there. I'm not sure, uh, to Hebrews 11. But uh, go back to Joshua, chapter 2. Joshua, chapter 2. I want to look at a couple things here and just kind of get the context of everything together. Most of us know, and we know this from all the way from our Sunday school classes when we were kids, and how Joshua had spent, uh, that is, sent spies to Jericho uh, before the destruction of that city would take place. Rahab would hide those spies when word got out that the spies were there. They were able to take refuge uh, in her home. 
And uh, so, you know, here, here's the question that, that we need to ask is why a woman that was engaged in a terrible sin life uh, in Jericho at the time, a very wicked city in of itself, um, why would she just almost all of a sudden do such a thing? Where, where did that come from? And, and uh, that's a great question. But we find the answer to that in Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to start reading there at verse 9. just going to read a few chapters, and we'll see why. And it says in verse 9, And she said unto the men, so she's taking them in. The men know that they're being, you know, the, the, the city's pretty aware that they're there. They're looking for them. She hides them. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that are on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Notice what she says, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth. There's the reason why. She believed... Amen. She believed, really, the verse, last part of verse 11, she be, well, we'll just say everything here. She believed that they crossed the Red Sea. Amen. She believed that the reason they were able to defeat those kings on the other side of the Jordan was because of the power of God. She believed. Amen. And she believed that, that, that your God, He is the God of heaven and in the earth. Amen. So that, that's why she did it. Amen. Was belief. And that's a remarkable thing, <clears throat> especially concerning uh, what you know the the sinful life that she lived. You know we might not we might not uh, be as surprised if it was a good moral person that took these people in, right? You know somebody that's always done good for others. You know we probably wouldn't be surprised. But here here is a woman that was living in wickedness, uh, and I don't know you know we don't know the whole story there, but no doubt I mean there's no bones about it. She was living a wicked life. She was living in a wicked city. And out of all those people in the city, she's the one that believed. Amen? And that's why. That's why she hid those spies. Uh, and, and so she came to the realization of the truth concerning the real God of heaven, as we read there in the last part of verse 11. Rahab recognized, uh, and this is key, you know, people don't get saved because they don't see themselves lost. When people really see themselves lost, they get saved. And Rahab recognized that she was living in a city that was under the judgment of God. She understood that, and she feared, and she should have. She also realized that she had a family that was also under the judgment of God. If the city was under the judgment of God, then her, herself, her family was under the judgment of God. And she thought of how God had blessed those Israelites, and certainly that news had spread uh, and she said, you know, within herself even, I must turn to the grace of God and be spared judgment. Praise the Lord for the fear of the Lord. Amen. And we need that today. And uh, it needs to be preached. And uh, because of that, she showed this very kind act to those spies. And when the city was destroyed, not only she, but many people in her family uh, were spared as well. And so Rahab, no doubt, uh, we are not uh, condoning what she did. She was a great sinner, but this great sinner heard about an even greater God. Amen. Aren't, hey, let's, aren't you glad that he saves to the uttermost? Amen. Aren't you glad that he saved you tonight? Amen. 
And you didn't deserve it any more than Rahab did. Right. And she learned that the grace of God can fly faster than the sinner could fall. <laughs> Man, I love that. And so it is, you know, the world today. Uh, we think about how things are. I, I believe we would probably all agree tonight that the world's under the judgment of God. Amen. Uh, now, the full wrath of that hasn't come, but hey, listen, I believe with all my heart that the ship is sinking, amen? We're on a sinking ship of sin. It's going down. It's doomed to sink very soon, I think. And I believe God's, think about those Israelites marching around that city for seven days. I believe God's army of judgment could be compassing the world, even right now as we speak. Uh, and, and you know, the, you know that is all, you know, for all those except, like Rahab, who say that, you know, you're the God. Uh, but listen, there's going to be a mighty shout from heaven. There's going to be a trumpet that blows, amen. Uh, and those seven years of judgment will begin. I hope and pray you're safe tonight. I hope you're not, I'm not asking if you've got religion. I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Amen. That's important to understand. And so we see this wonderful picture of the grace of God. Certainly, uh, you know, we think of Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. But we also notice some other things here. Notice Joshua chapter 2, verse 17. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. He said, We're, we'll, we'll do it. You, you know, we, we will hold to this. Now notice what he says. Behold, when we come into the land, uh, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou did let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's house hold home unto thee. And he goes on to explain some, some important things about leaving that scarlet rope, that scarlet thread out the window. Now, there's a lot of people who've studied the Bible over the years, and I don't know who come up with the name or who even applied it all together. I've read different books on it. But most that study the Bible have probably heard of the scarlet thread of redemption. And it's a great study, and there's, there's a lot of things out there on it. Um, and, of course, that's in reference to the blood that Christ shed, amen? And we've been talking about this even in Sunday school, uh, the, the blood that, that, was, that Christ shed on behalf of sinful man, that scarlet thread, if you will, that scarlet thread of redemption runs all the way through the entire Bible, all the way from, Revelation, or from Genesis to Revelation, you find those things that point to the blood of Christ, amen? For a while it pointed to the cross. Now it points back to the cross. But certainly we see that, that scarlet thread of redemption. And the Bible says a lot about that. But the Bible also says a lot about sin and, and judgment and, and, and holiness and, and, and purity, amen? We, we need that. And the Bible makes it plain that, that man is a fallen being, uh, a man, woman that is not saved, we are fallen and we are under the judgment of God. Amen. Hey, listen, if you're not saved tonight, listen, you are at enmity with God tonight. Amen. And you need to understand that. And so probably one of the greatest messages, in my opinion, that's ever been preached, and, and you can read it today, you will never hear it because it was a long time ago, it was by Jonathan Edwards in his very famous sermon. And I encourage you, if you've never read it, to read it. And the title of his message is Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And the testimony of the people that would be saved out of that. And he just simply got up and read it. He, he wasn't, they say, you know, we're going off what people say. He wasn't a, 
uh, a good speaker by any case. He just opened up his, his Bible and opened up his notes and he simply read it. And one part that he wrote was this, Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotten covering, and there are innumerable places in this covering so weak that they will not bear their weight, and these places are not seen. You know, listen, you know, people that walk around without being saved, they just don't realize how much danger they're in. Listen, they could step off into eternity any second. Any second. Uh, and he's exactly right. And so it is for those who, who certainly do not have that scarlet thread hanging out their window as Rahab did, who have not the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, amen? The, the sinner is walking, if you will, spiritually on thin ice that could give away at any moment to eternal damnation. So the Bible makes all this very clear. It's a solemn, yet I believe a very necessary truth to understand, one that Rahab understood. She realized the judgment of God was coming down upon their city, upon her life, upon her family's life. But praise the Lord. The Bible also makes it clear that God had provided a way of escape. And he still does today. And it's for all of those, even the chiefest of sinners, amen, even a harlot, if you will, who will simply believe and call upon the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful news tonight? Hey, man, I tell you what, that's good stuff. So let's go to John 3.16. Most of us probably have it memorized. Uh, but uh, let's go to it and look at it. It's just, a, to me, the greatest Christmas verse there is, is John 3.16, right? I mean, you can't beat that. John 3.16. And by the way, there's verses before and after John 3.16 that are very important as well. But John 3.16, most of us know it. We've probably memorized it. Probably one of the first verses we ever memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, boy, I love that word, don't you? Whosoever, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great news? And I hope we never get tired of, uh, uh, of hearing that. Amen. And so we see there John 3.16. Again, as I said a while ago, in my opinion, the best Christmas verse that we could find, many have called it the Bible in miniature. Certainly that's true. So we think about this, for God so loved the world. Let's talk about this. I like what one preacher said of this verse. He said, John 3.16 is a Christmas verse or a Christmas message from heaven. But really, to understand verse 16, I think we have to understand verse 17. It says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Boy, I tell you what, this thought as we think about Christmas. Um, you know, I know what I'm preaching tonight doesn't fit well. It isn't a popular one, especially in light of Christmas. But, uh, but I don't know about you, but I mean, uh, the world, you know, you know, the world, Christmas isn't about Christ, right? I mean, it's an industry. It's uh, uh, the Christmas industry. Listen, it's a, it's a, in a matter of weeks, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And a lot of Christians, I think, are, you know, maybe unknowingly or what have you. Have you ever noticed how Hollywood, and I don't know if they, I don't follow these things anymore, don't watch too much outside TV, but have you ever noticed how Hollywood comes out with a blockbuster movie on Christmas Day? You ever notice that? Is they, they, I, I guess they, they used to do it all the time, maybe they don't do it anymore, but I know that's how they used to do. Usually rated R. Mm, you know. 
Well, I'm not going to say nothing, but, well, I'm going to. You know, it, it just baffles me how people who say they love the Lord, Christians, will go spend their money on that junk. I'll shut up. I've also heard that liquor sales are the highest during Christmas. I share with you this morning, I don't believe Jesus was born in December. I think he's probably born in April. But it's a time that our country traditionally focuses in on the birth of Christ. I, I don't think it's blasphemy or anything like that. But, but it's just amazing to me that Christmas just really doesn't mean Christmas to a lot of people. It's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. Um, I'm certainly, you know, the meaning of Christmas, no doubt, less meaningful, seems like, each year. And I'm not against celebrating Christmas, but, you know, if we're going to celebrate Christmas, let's celebrate it with John 3.16 in mind. Amen. You know, Jesus came to this earth as a babe, robed in human flesh. That's Christmas. Certainly his existence didn't begin here, for Christ is God's he's always been. Study the first 14 verses of John chapter 1. Jesus Christ came into this world to die on a cross for the sins of the world. That's the Christmas message. To save the Rahabs of the world. And we all should be thankful for that. And all those who know not God. Uh, you know, to celebrate Christmas without the precious blood of Christ on your life is really meaningless. Hey, listen, to celebrate Christmas without being a Christian, it's just another pagan holiday as far as I'm concerned. Just the same way as Easter. Amen. Hey, listen, it's just another way to fulfill the lust of the flesh and get some fuzzy feelings, but that's not what it's about. We want to celebrate Christmas, certainly in the right spirit, in the right mind, and we need to always remember the grace of God. If you're here today and you know not Christ is your Savior, hey, listen, why not accept the greatest of all gifts ever given for you? And that was Jesus Christ, so that you could make heaven your home someday. There's nothing worth more than that, amen? Nothing worth more than that. Do you realize all the riches in this world aren't worth one soul? Not worth one soul, amen? That's how much God loves us. Christ shed his blood, praise the Lord, not just for a select few like some would have you to believe, but for every human being, ever born or ever to be born. He wishes that none would perish. And he's provided a way of escape for all who will believe. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. So for God so loved the world. The truth of Christmas, when you get right down to it, is written in crimson. We think of that wonderful hymn, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it. Washed me white as snow. And certainly the... I mean, when you think about it, again, I know this isn't popular Christmas preaching, but this is what Christ is all about. The Christmas story is written by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, listen, if God hadn't shed his blood, there'd be no reason to celebrate Christmas today. But he did shed his blood. Not only did he shed his blood, but he's provided a way of escape for the chiefest of sinners to be saved. And I praise the Lord for that. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to you when you hear that Jesus Christ died for your sins? What does that mean to you tonight? It ought to mean a great deal. Even if you're saved, it ought to mean a great deal. I ask God every once in a while, because I'm just like you or everybody else. You know, we're human beings. Sometimes we let this old world rob us of things, right? 
Sometimes we just kind of get a little down in the mouth. Sometimes we just think that, you know, I don't, I, hey, I'm preaching to myself. You know, sometimes I act as though I'm not saved and I'm not going to make heaven my home someday. You know, wowsy, wowsy, wowsy. Amen? You know, it's like, boy, you know, this world's not giving me what I want. I'm doomed. And then God says, what's wrong with you, boy? You're saved by the blood of Christ. What's wrong with you, boy? What has this world ever done for you? This world ain't got nothing for you. Hey, boy, you're going to make heaven your home someday. Amen. And nothing can take that away from you. And I'm like, you're right, God. You're right. Forgive me. Hey, listen, I, hey, listen what, does it, what, what does it mean to you when you hear that Jesus Christ died for your sin? Maybe you believe your sin can be erased another way. Usually that has to do with good works. I'm not a bad person. Well, you're probably not a bad person. You might be better than most, but we all come short of the glory of God. By the way, if you feel like you can get to heaven without Christ, then Christ would, listen, if one person in the existence of man was ever able to do that, Jesus Christ would have never came to this earth and did what he did. But nobody has, nobody ever will. He would not have been born in a manger in Bethlehem. And he certainly would not have died on the cross if there were any other way for man to be saved. So my point is, is without the blood of Christ, there'd be no Christmas. There'd be no Christmas. And maybe there's even maybe someone in here tonight who's wondering, you know, what must I do to accept the greatest gift ever given? How does one accept the grace of God? Well, let's, let's go back to the story of Rahab. So we'll go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we've already read it, but there in verse 31, here's how, by faith. By faith, Rahab. <laughs> by faith, the harlot Rahab. But by faith, goes on to say, by faith, Rahab, the harlot, perished not. How? By faith. By believing. Praise the Lord for that. Amen to that. Rahab wasn't saved, you know, didn't die, you know, well, I didn't die in that car wreck, so God must have saved me. And, you know, well, I, I, had a, I had this feeling come over me. No, the Bible says that by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not. She believed, as she just said there, that, you know, that we just read there, that he is the God of heaven, amen? And so do we. we that's the way that we're saved. And so, uh, again, no blood, no Christmas. Salvation comes by faith. Rahab perished not because of faith. Through the conduit of faith, she hung that scarlet thread pointing to Jesus Christ from her window. Rehab, Rahab, Rahab. Rahab came to God the same way anyone else comes to God through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when she hung that thread out her window, folks, that she, look, she, she may not have understood it the way that we understood it. When she hung that thread out that window, she was looking forward to Calvary. She, she was looking forward to that. And today, well, certainly, we look back to Calvary where the blood of Christ was already shed for our sin, and praise the Lord for that. But Rahab, just like us today, she believed. She's found here in the book of Hebrews, and it was counted unto her as righteousness. Amen. And she was spared judgment by accepting the grace of God that was offered to her. You know, today, as we think about sinners in the hands of an angry God, you know, who will be spared from dropping through that thin covering between us and hell? And the answer is only those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Plus or minus nothing else. 
and it's so important for us to understand and, and even to be reminded of as believers. You know, often at the prison, I talk to men, most of them pretty young, and they'll say things along the line as, well, you know, it's too late. It's too late for me. I, I've done too much. And many of them have done, you know, the worst thing you can do is take a life, right? And they've done some very bad things. You know, too much, too much, preacher, too much sinful water under that bridge. You know, what could God ever do with the likes of me? Spoiled goods, damaged material, unfit. I often tell them, hey, don't let the devil deceive you. Amen. You know, the cleansing power of the blood, I believe we mentioned that this morning, is the most powerful cleansing agent in existence. And again, it washes us white as snow. And as Brother Brad, I think he mentioned in his prayer time tonight, it's not just a covering. It does not just cover a stain, but it removes it. What's that mean? It's as if it was never there. Amen. I hope, I hope we and I hope I never get over that. Amen. As if it was never there. And God can and God will use you. And here's where I wanted to end. It's amazing what God can do with an old sinner saved by grace. And I want to give you an example of this. Go back to the book of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I know sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we tend to get bogged down. And we get bogged down in all those begats. Don't you? And he begat him, and he begat him, and he begat him. But oftentimes, you'll take a little time and study these names out, you'll find out some remarkable things. And in Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, we're just going to read through here. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I just want you to notice some things. Some of these names you'll recognize, some you won't. But the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. We know that Abraham begat, begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas. That would be Judah uh, and his brethren. And Judas begat Pharaoh. Uh, and uh, Zerah of Thamar, and Pharaoh uh, begat Isram, and Isram begat Aram, and Aram begat, begat Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salam, or Salmon, I'm sorry. Now we get into some familiar names we might understand, and Salmon begat Boz, or Boz. You say, who's that? Uh, well, we, we might know him a little bit better by the name of Boaz. Where's Boaz at? Well, he's in the book of Ruth, isn't he? And so Solomon, or Solomon begat Boaz of who? Rahab. Do you realize that that's Rahab? We know her as Rahab today. And Rahab and Boaz begat who? Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. Who's Jesse? And Jesse begat David, the king. <laughs> And we know as we read on through there, and uh, Mary also from the tribe of Judah, amen? And you read on down through there, and you'll find out that Rahab, and some other ladies, by the way, with questionable character, are also found in the lineage. Listen to me now. Rahab the harlot in the priestly line of Jesus Christ. 
It's amazing what God can do in your life if you'll just submit to his grace. He can use you in a mighty and powerful way. And I want to tell you something. He doesn't love Rahab or anybody else in this Bible any more than he loves you tonight. Amen. You can be used in a mighty and powerful way. I don't know what your past is. I don't really care what your past is. I just know that God can save. Amen. So we have here a saved harlot who got her life right. And here she is found in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. That's the wonderful, matchless grace of Jesus. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I can't think of a better Christmas story than that. Can you? Amen. Top that one. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, I wonder, has everyone here tonight truly accepted the greatest of all gifts? Have you accepted the grace of God upon your life? I would say this, and we're going to get ready for our invitation. If you're saved tonight, praise the Lord. Maybe just come to this altar and just thank Him for that tonight. Thank Him for the gift of salvation. If you're saved tonight, you did not earn it. If you're saved tonight, you did not deserve it. If you're saved tonight, it came by the grace of God, plus or minus nothing else, through faith in Him. And if you're not saved tonight, come on. The only thing that stands in the way of you being saved is not your awful past life. It's not your sin. It's, it's none of that. The only thing that stands between you and salvation is you, your belief. You either believe or you don't believe. Come and accept him as your Savior. It's simple as that. Simple for us. Wasn't easy for God. Cost God everything he had. But he's provided a way of escape. Do all of us and I have that scarlet thread hanging out our window? Jesus is coming back any day. Amen. Next great thing on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. And after that rapture of all the believers is that seven years of tribulation. Hey, listen, you want to be saved tonight. You want to be saved today. Because the bottom is that preacher from so long ago, it could drop out any moment. I don't care if you're 10 years old or 100 years old. None of us have the guarantee of not even the next 15 minutes, much less tomorrow. You need to get right with Jesus. Amen? The greatest gift. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.